Blog Talk Radio. Jean-Luc Jordy Specs, mysteries on the holodecks, asteroids, triple droids, telepathic betazoids, transport a deadly claw, visitor from L.A. law, photons, no Kirk, captain has gone berserk, shuttlecraft, console Troy, Dr. Crush's little boy, Klingon rights, parasites, new heights, phaser fights, Data's head, Tasha's dead, Quike is hanging by a thread, celebration, transformations, everyone to battle stations. Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. Uh, welcome to another episode of Trek Talking and Beyond. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim. And I'm buried in snow up here in Vermont. We only got 28 inches, so some places got up to three feet and go up further north, and they got as much as four feet. So I'll take my 28 and be happy. But um, that's okay, because we're going to have fun tonight. we got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about Terra Firma Part 1, and we're going to be talking about the Mandalorian and uh, what's going on with him. So our phone number here is 646-668-2433. Uh, if you'd like to join us and talk about The Mandalorian or Star Trek, please give us a call. Also, we're giving away a Blu-ray set of Star Trek, the original series, the third season. And all you have to do is call 646-668-2433. And the first person that gets through and calls us and tells us what your favorite episode in season three is, wins it. I'll drop it in the mail and send it to you. It's that simple, okay? And if no one, if we don't give it away tonight, we'll do it on the next show and the next show and the next show until one lucky person calls up and wins it. So our number here is 646-668-2433. Put it on speed dial and get ready to call, okay? Before we get into the show, though, I have to introduce my most Excellent co-host, and we'll start out with Eric. Eric is out in Portland. How you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing pretty good, man. We've got about 50 degrees and just a little tiny bit rainy here. It's been a nice day overall, and oh my gosh, we've, we've got two amazing shows to talk about tonight. I'm so excited. Ah! Yeah, and, and I actually, because of, of the 28 inches of snow that we got today, I did not watch part two. I watched The Stand instead. Good call, good because call, good call. we have so many things to talk about and so many theories, and we can't, fear, we can't talk about theories if I already know the answer. So I'm going to watch it after the show tonight um, because it is a part two. So I have no idea what happened or what's going to happen or what's about to happen, so we'll talk about it and have some fun. We also have with us Charles. Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. Crazy weather here. It was cold, mild and cold this morning, and the sun popped out. And before before work ended, you could see the clouds just floating in. And I think we're cloud covered again, but the wind hasn't gotten here yet. And parts of the valley might see rain. The mountains might see snow. We don't know. Well, we, we had clouds floating in here, all right. It was snow drifts up to three, four feet deep. It was, it's been 
sucky. But we're going to have a white Christmas, so I guess that's a good thing. But we're quarantined, so it doesn't really matter. We can't go anywhere. But uh, one more time, guys, phone number here is 646-668-33. I am holding in my sweaty little hands right here a copy of Star Trek, the original series, season three on Blu-ray, and I'd love to give it to you. But you can't win it if you're not in it, and the only way to get in it is to call. So 646-668-2433 is the number, and the first person that calls will win it. So please, 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 as soon as we get done here, um, start calling. So before we dive right in, I want to let you guys know that um, just last week, we broke 24,000 followers on our Facebook page. I was hoping that we would break 25,000 by tonight, which would make 1,000 new followers in a week, but we missed it by 115. So we're going to break 25,000 probably tonight, tomorrow morning. Um, I was hoping we could do it, but we didn't quite do it. If you'd like to be part of our family, head over to facebook.com backslash Trek Talking and beyond. Spell that all out and like and follow us. That way you'll never miss a show, an update. You can take place in all of our polls. You can be in our fan shout-outs. And we'd love to have you as a part of our family, so please do that. Um, some news I want to mention real quick. We're not doing Star Trek news because we're filling that spot with The Mandalorian, but if something big comes up, I'll throw it into the top of the show, and it did. Strange New Worlds has started production up in Toronto. So um, Discovery Season 4 has already started, and now Strange New Worlds has started. So we have, we have two new Star Trek shows to look forward to. They've also started um, uh, Lower Decks Season 2, but that's an animated show, so that doesn't really have any effect on the COVID thing. But if I was a betting man, I would think that we're going to see uh, Season 2 of Lower Decks before, well, definitely before Stranger, uh, Strange New Worlds, but probably before we see Discovery as well. I think they'll keep that schedule going. So at any rate, that's all the news. That's what's going on. We're going to dive right in. But before we do that, we have to go around the globe with the numbers. And for that, we turn to Eric. Eric, tell us what's going on around the globe. Thanks a bunch, Jim. As always tonight, we have about 76% of our listeners hailing from the United States. So thank you so much to all of our domestic listeners. You're our backbone. We always appreciate you. But then at uh, this time, we also like to recognize all of our international listeners, at least the top five. So coming in at our number one international spot this week, holding steady in the spot is Australia with, uh, and listen to these numbers, people, 4.91% of our listeners. That means that they are only nine hundredths away from uh, having 5% of our listeners. And Jim, I'm trying to remember the last time that an international uh, country had 5% of our listeners. That, that sounds like a threshold to me that maybe we haven't met before. It, it never has. So, you know, if, you know what? If Australia can get to that 5%, if you're listening in Australia, I have in my hands a copy of Star Trek Discovery Season 1, the Steelbook Edition on Blu-ray. And if Australia breaks that 5%, the first Australian listener that either calls us, I'm not sure about the time differential, or messages us on our Facebook page, I will drop that in the mail and send that to you if you guys can break that 5%. How does that sound? That sounds amazing. So 
Yeah, that's that's really cool, Jim. Thanks. And so thank you to everyone in Australia who's listening to us, almost 5% of our listeners. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, but dogging them uh, less than a percent away, the UK with 4.16% of our listeners, which is also up a tick from last week. Uh, and we'll see this trend kind of continue as we go to their neighbors next door, Ireland, in our number three spot with 3.16% of our listeners. That means over 7% of our listeners come from that exact part of the world, which I think is pretty cool. In our number four spot for international listeners this week is Norway with 2.86% of our listeners, also up a little bit from last week. And Canada, you might be recovering. In our number five spot, you're also going up 2.36% of our listeners. So thank you once again uh, to all of our domestic and international listeners. We appreciate every single one of you, um, whether you visit our page or listen to the podcast. We seriously could not do it without you, right, Jim? Yeah, and actually, the cool thing about Canada, Canada was our number one for, for for years. And I actually thought Canada was going to fall off the list because Spain has, was nipping right at their heels. But Canada jumped right right back up there. Um, so yep. they're hanging tough. They're hanging tough. So that's cool. Okay, well, and uh, before we get – no, they're, they're actually climbing back up. Unfortunately, Norway is also climbing back up. So – Norway just jumped out of nowhere. They don't want to give up that spot. So that's really, really cool. Um, before we go to our fan shout-outs, after we go around the globe, we like to give shout-outs to individual fans who say hello to us on our Facebook page. You guys can get a fan shout-out by visiting us on Facebook at Truck Talking and Beyond. Spell that all out, A-N-D and Beyond. And tell us where you're from. And every week I pick 15 lucky fans. If you see a heart next to your name from Trek Talk, and that means your name is going to be on the show, and we'll we'll give a shout-out to you individually. But before we do that, we have our first caller of the night. So a lucky fan has won Star Trek, the original series, season three on Blu-ray. That's right. Somebody called and won. So let's pick up the line here and see who we got. If my thing will work here, come on. Come, there we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talking and Beyond. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? Hello? Hello? Oh, are you talking to me? Are, yes. Hello. Are you our, you're our lucky caller. Yes. I think this, this voice sounds familiar. Uh-oh. Yeah. How much snow did you end up getting up there? <laughs> Actually, it it we've had clear sky, so it it didn't snow. I mean, we had uh, minus five degrees, but but very little snow. Wow, you mean we got more snow here than you got up there? That's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, usually we're the coldest, and, and, well, Buffalo is the one that usually gets buried in snow, but but luckily the Nor'eastern stayed south of us. <laughs> well, congratulations, Leslie. <laughs> wow, you. that's amazing. Yeah, you're the, the Leslie Hoffman. By the way, you guys can tune in to um, – 
talk to me and Leslie every Sunday at from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we usually talk about Planet of the Apes, but you never know what we're going to talk about. So you can check that out on Sundays right here, same bat time, same bat channel. And, uh, you know, see what's going on. You can also check out Leslie at the Leslie Hoffman Appreciation Organization Facebook page and just say hello. She would love to hear from you. So congratulations, Leslie. You're the, you're the first caller. No, <laughs> oh, thank you. I, as a as a as an original trek trekkie, <laughs> it, it's a wonderful gift. <laughs> and and, and give it you something to do while you're snowed in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I didn't realize. You know, everyone talks about how bad season three is, and and I didn't realize how many wonderful episodes are are actually in season three. So what's your favorite episode in season three? It it was really hard. I was kind of tossed up between this side of paradise where where Kirk forgets who he is and he becomes Kirk. But I'll go with For the World is Hollow and I Have Touched the Sky, mm-hmm. where, where Bones falls in love with... Uh, I don't know what she was. The print, uh, not well, like the priestess or or the leader of um, this whole civilization that was put inside. Uh, well, it was a spaceship. Um, an, an asteroid, and, I think and, it was, wasn't it? Oh. I think it was an asteroid. <laughs> mm-hmm. an asteroid right. ship. I mean, it, yeah. Well, it was. It looked like an asteroid from the outside, right. but. The inside was this whole civilization. I mean, many generations that, um, you know, their their world was dying, and they put these people in the asteroid in this ship to send them off to a new planet that that the race could survive. But something goes well. Now I don't know if I'm supposed to give away the whole episode, but something goes wrong. And the ship is off course, and it's going to crash into a populated planet, and that's the basis of of the story. But but my favorite scene is this old guy that comes into the room, and he goes, "Many years ago, I climbed the mountains, even though it is forbidden. But things are not as they seem, for the world is hollow, and I have touched the sky." Ah! And then he dies. Because he has a plant in his head. <laughs> well, my, That's awesome. I love it. My uh, my favorite episode of season three is Spock's brain. I think it's brilliant. Mm. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> my my, my oh, favorite geez. episode is Enterprise Incident. That that's the one that I like. Mm. The Enterprise yeah. Incident. Yeah. That- that one unfortunately gets kicked around as being one of the worst episodes, but but it it it's, it's a strange. I'll say it's a strange episode. Yeah, that that's the brain, where, brain. where what is the brain? women are. Yeah, the women are very dumb, except that they put. I think they call it the teacher on their head and. You know, they well. This one becomes really super smart and and removes Spock's brain. 
and then and then they turn Spock, they turn Spock brain or Spock himself the body into I don't know what to call it sort of a puppet robot and they <laughs> they have a control to make him you know walk or whatever and then the, and then the men were on well the women were underneath here we go again the women were underneath the planet and the men were on top of the planet and they look like uh cavemen <laughs> yep spock's brain at the classic well Congratulations, <laughs> Leslie. I'll I'll get that out in the mail to you so you have something to watch while uh while we're snowed in on the quarantine. Absolutely. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> and if the snow and, uh, does get up here well, yeah, I'm still in quarantine. But if the snow does get up here I'm gonna have a great time watching watching uh season three. And I mean, what's cool I, I, about this particular Blu-ray? I, I don't have any of the Star Trek on any kind of disc. I don't even have a VHS of Star Trek episodes. So this is going to be my first. Uh, <laughs> maybe it'll inspire me to get starter collection. Well, you, you know what's good about this one, Leslie? This is the remastered edition, and so what you can do is when you're watching it and a remastered scene comes up, you can push a button, and it will instantly go from the remastered scene to the original scene, so you can switch seamlessly back and forth from the remastered to the original, so you can compare them side by side. With It's got the, re, the remastered audio, the remastered picture, the remastered special effects, so you can watch the original, or you can go back and watch the remastered. It's pretty cool the way they did it. I think you'll like oh, it. Oh, that Yeah. And no, there's, there's uh, commentaries and all kinds of stuff on there. So I think you'll like it. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. So you can hang out with us if you'd like and, and talk about Discovery. We talked about it last on Sunday, but you're welcome to hang out and talk with us if you'd like to. Yeah, I can hang out for about 45 minutes, and then I have a sick little puppy that, that I got a get outdoors at about 8.30 and medicate them and all that kind of stuff, but that's a whole different story. Never mind. <laughs> he'll get, all right. he'll well, get you, better. I'll, I'll leave you on the line then, and we're going to do our fan shout-out. So this is the part of the show where we, we say hello to our individual fans that follow us on our Facebook page, and as always, we start out with Eric. Yeah, our first fan shout-out this week goes out to Deidre Bennett-Milani from, guess where, Eagle Point, Oregon, just about four and a half hours south of where I am right now. So, Deidre, thank you so much for listening to us, and it's awesome to have you on our team here. We're also saying hello, and thank you so much for listening to Paula Quillan from Ontario, Canada. Hello, and thank you for listening to Robin McKenna from Adelaide in South Australia. I used to have some family down there in a South Australian, in, directly in Adelaide. And in fact, Sandy Williamson is also listening from Adelaide. So thank you so much to both of you. Maybe you guys know each other. Um, hello, and thank you very much for listening to Keith Hanks from Calgary up there in Canada. And also hello and thank you to Alexandru Chiro from Romania. That's right, Bucharest. Charles, who else is listening to us today? 
Okay, we got Jeff Gallant from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Hello to Robin Clark from Du Bois, Pennsylvania in the United States. Blair Durham, hello there in York, Yorkshire, UK. Excuse me, Lancaster, UK. Mark Douglas Collins from Seattle, Washington. Ivan Santos from Pueblo, Brazil. And Chris Calgary from the UK, but now in Antwerp, Belgium. Uh, where are some of your people from, Jim? Well, we're going to start out with uh, Nicholas Carroll from Bondi Beach in North South Wales, Australia. And we're going to send a special uh, shout-out to a top fan, Carl, I can't read that, Karsten Kambeth from Germany, Berlin. My, my glasses are all, all fogged up here. Uh, we're also going to say... Hello and thank you to Eric to Cat <laughs> Hart from Wedway, California, and we're going to say hello to Karen Clay Buxton from Perth, Western Australia. Wow, we got quite a few people from Australia on the list. Almost five percent, Jim. Today, almost five percent. Well, yeah, it shows, doesn't it? We'd also mm-hmm. like to say thank you and hello to Rob Wendler from the Netherlands, and last but definitely not least. We'd like to say hello and thank you to Jeremy W. Barber from Aurora, Colorado. Thanks for listening, guys. It means so much to us that you support us and you tune in, and we just can't say thank you enough. And um, stay tuned because we just gave away Star Trek Season 3 TOS on Blu-ray, and who knows what other great stuff Uncle Jim has in his vault that I'm willing to part with to some lucky listener. So it pays to listen and with that see what time is it okay um with that we're going to start off with our birthdays now we're not going to be able to get to all of our birthdays but we'll, we'll give them a start and for that we have to sing happy was not a Klingon song. No, it was not, but we like it anyways. So, Eric, usually we start off the show and uh, with our remembrances, where we remember members of our Star Trek family that are no longer with us. So, Eric, why don't you get us started before we jump into this first break? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, our first remembrance this week goes out to Martyr, Marta Dubois, who played Arda uh, from the TNG episode Devil's Due, or rather she played sort of uh, the imposter of Arda. Uh, you might remember her as a character who uh, learned about a myth uh, from this particular culture, and she impersonated this person, and actually she had sort of made a living as a con artist along the way. Um, I really thought that actress did a great job with that role, um, and we are sorry that she is gone. So happy birthday and remembrances to Marta Dubois. We're also saying uh, happy birthday and remembrances this week to uh, Tommy Lister Jr. Now, Jim, I know uh, you know who he is because he is the the gentleman who plays the very first Klingon that we supposedly we as a as the United Federation of Planets or pre Federation. <laughs> 
Klingon, or uh, excuse me, uh, 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 Federation society, the first Klingon that we actually encounter, Klang. Uh, so that's a pretty cool role. Uh, he shows up in the Enterprise episode Broken Bow, uh, and he's the one who's actually running through the field that they go and pick up, and uh, the whole episode is sort of based around. So that's Tommy Lister. And he's the one. Uh, he's the one that um, that Hoshi makes the um, universal translator to translate Klingon mm. from him, mm-hmm. which is yes. pretty cool. So, uh, listen, guys, we have to take our first commercial break for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. Just hang out. We'll be right back. But for the rest of you guys that are listening to us live right now or on Stitcher, iTunes, or any other podcast uh, provider, as soon as we hear from GM Chris, we'll be right back with the rest of our birthdays. Don't touch that dial. This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction-themed podcast on the Internet. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi-related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast Time. Hailing frequencies are always open, and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And we're back, and we're talking, we're trying to remember members that are no longer with us in our Star Trek family, and we're listening to Eric. That's right. And our next remembrance this week, Jim, goes out to Daviv Cariente, who was the Klingon sergeant who killed David in uh, Star Trek III. So happy birthday and remembrances to Daviv. Uh, now, this next one is kind of a big one. Uh, this is a gentleman who's uh, played many parts in various iterations of Star Trek. Uh, we're talking about Michael Keenan. Um, the episodes that we have tagged him for is he played Maturin in the TNG episode uh, Sub Rosa, uh, which, of course, is one of the aliens that kind of have the, well, uh, I would say forehead ridge, but I guess that describes every Star Trek alien. Uh, uh, but that's probably not the one that he's most well-known for, I think. Uh, he also played Hrothgar in the Voyager episode Heroes and Demons. Uh, so that is actually the ba- the king from Beowulf, and that's, of course, a, a holodeck episode, uh, and he plays Hrothgar in that one. He also plays the character uh, of Patrick from the DS9 episode Statistical Probabilities and Chrysalises. Um, he's one of those genetically engineered humans uh from that episode so happy birthday uh and remembrances go out to michael keenan uh we're also remembering this week ben cross uh who played the version of Sarek from star trek 2009 uh, that we know of so happy birthday uh to ben cross um now these last two are kind of big ones uh the first one that i'm going to mention is not really a birthday but we just found out today that uh, Jeremy Bullock died. Jeremy Bullock was the original actor who played uh, Boba Fett. And, of course, on this show, we talk about The Mandalorian. Uh, We've actually been uh, getting very excited about the sort of revitalization of the Boba Fett character. And uh, and it's too bad that we lost Jeremy Bullock today because he did a fantastic job in that role. And, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to know that uh, when he died in Return of the Jedi, he didn't really die. Jim or Charles, do you have anything you want to say about Jeremy Bullock right now? No, I I, I just found out when you told me, so I'm totally unprepared. 
Yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Um, the biggest one that I wanted to mention this week uh, is that this week Arthur C. Clarke would have had uh, a birthday. Um, of course, we lost him a number of years ago. But uh, for me, he actually was probably, I would say, uh, one of the most influential um, writers, at least of my childhood. Um, you know, he, he started writing books way back in the 40s, um, but then his popularity just continued all the way through the 50s, 60s. Um, he's known as one of the, the kind of big three uh, from science fiction of that era, you know, Heinlein, uh, Clark, uh, and Asimov uh, were kind of the guys known for all that stuff. Uh, I think most famously, he's probably known for the 2001 series, um, which consists of 2001, 2010, and 2061. And then they eventually wrote a fourth book that was 3001, uh, which I also enjoyed quite a bit. That was written 10 years after the previous book to that one. And he co-wrote the screenplay uh, actually at the same time, believe it or not, as the novel um, 2001. He and Kubrick actually worked together at the same time, and the novel was written at the same time that the movie was being written. But then sort of towards the end, they diverged just a little bit, uh, and, and it was actually, because they didn't have the internet, it was actually hard for them to communicate with one another uh, at times uh, in a timely fashion, and so that's why we started to see a few divergences at the very end of 2001 between the movie and the book. You know, the movie, you sort of stare at these colored lights for a long time and have no idea what's going on. In the book, it's actually, it's described much more thoroughly <laughs> as to what's going on. Um, the series that really I loved the best of his was the Rama series. Um, it's this great series uh, about a spaceship that comes to Earth. Uh, some people go up to visit it. Once they get inside, the spaceship whisks them away. And basically, they have to form a whole new human society inside this entire biodome spaceship thing uh, as it's going through space and traveling to other worlds at, at uh, superluminal speeds. So at any rate, without going too much into his catalog, uh, he just was a big influence on uh, my love of science fiction when I was growing up. And I, I wanted to give him a special mention this week. Arthur C. Clarke would have had a birthday uh, this week. So uh, unless anybody would like to say anything about Arthur C. Clarke, Charles, we are on to the folks who have birthdays this week who are still with us. Okay. So let's start off. We don't have too many birthdays this month, this week. we got Madchen Amrick, who played Anya and Tianji the Dolphin. Then we got a couple of more recent ones. Ronnie Rhodes Jr. plays R.A. Bryce in Discovery. Mm-hmm. Let's talk. And we get to talk then, about him a little bit tonight. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a good scene with him and Owu tonight. And then one of my favorite Delta Flyers from from the podcast, Reviewing Voyager. Garrett Wong, who played Ensign Harry Kim, who was at one point the longest running Ensign in a series to Achille, who's now been Ensign for 900 years. <laughs> That's awesome. I yep. love it. He's no longer yep. the longest living Ensign. 
Did you guys hear, Eric? Hello? Very, very difficult. Oh, oh. There you are. I, I couldn't hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, oh, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We may have had a little technological glitch there. Anyway, do you guys think now retroactively that Chang, you know, if we were to headcanon this, could Chang be a uh, Takuvma Klingon? You know, shaved his head you know, I sub- uh, for war? I I suppose he could, and he he had an eye patch bolted to the side of his head. Could be. It's pretty badass. Pretty badass. Could could be. <laughs> could be. Could be. <laughs> he's he's my favorite Klingon, and he, uh, some people say that he's the least Klingon Klingon, and I believe that that is probably true. I mean, he's definitely the most sophisticated Klingon that we see, but the banter that he has with Kirk in that movie is absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, and I love his character so much. Yeah, he's he's a good one. He's a good one. And now we're gonna be we're we're gonna dive right into the Mandalorian. We only have about seventeen minutes, but that's not gonna stop us. So before we do that, we gotta get you guys in the mood.
So are you guys ready to talk some Mando? And uh, we have a caller on the line, but I think we know who this guy might be. Hello, thanks for calling Trek Talking to Beyond. What's your name and where are you calling us from tonight? It's me from Portland, Oregon. I thought that was you. How are you doing, Dave? I'm pretty good, pretty good. (laughs) That's good, that's good. So we're talking about the Mandalorian, and um, so Boba Fett actually gets a facelift in this episode. So Mando loses uh, Grogu to Moff Gideon, and he has to put together a crack team to go and rescue him. So he decides to break out one of his uh, friends, I use that word loosely, that we ran into in season one, and uh, find the location of Moff Gideon. And yeah, so that's where the episode picks up. And uh, who wants to dive in and, and share some thoughts on this one? Who wants to go first? Eric, Charles, Dave? David, why don't you go first on this one? Yeah, why don't you jump in? Hi. Um, well, I thought this episode was okay. I mean, it was interesting what uh, transpired, but um, I, I kind of liked it. It was actually pretty interesting. I can't remember exactly all that happened, but it's just the one where... Uh, Mando takes his helmet off in front of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Make yeah. Mayfield gets to see his face. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember more and more. All right. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was actually really fun. It's uh, got some interesting uh, twists at the end and stuff, and I was actually surprised of some of the things that occurred. But you know, it it, uh, it rounded off pretty well. Yeah. I guess I should. I should. I should do something before we talk about that. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. There you go. We've been warned. (laughs) (laughs) Should have done that first. But, yeah, this this was, was, um, like with every Mando, this is a pew-pew, shoot-up, bang-bang episode. Stormtroopers, battles, guns, shooting. Yeah, same thing as always. But... You know what? I I won't. I'll I'll let someone else take that one. Um, so Eric, what did what did you think about this one? Um, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. It was a romp from beginning to end. Um, you know, it's interesting because I know that uh, we've talked a little bit about the length of some of these episodes, uh, and that's uh, I know you, Jim, and I think maybe Charles too think that some of them feel a little short. This one was only thirty six minutes. Uh, but to me, it was the right length, uh, and I, I really love it. So the setup is that, you know, they have to, they have to get Mayfield out of prison because Mayfield's got the imperial connections and the knowledge that they need to go get what they need to get to go get Grogu. So it, it is an adventure story. There's always kind of a quest involved in Mando, um, and that's fun. Uh, so they go and they get him out of prison, um, Marshall Cara Dune, uh, of course, is there, uh, and I, I, I have to admit, I think she's my Mando crush, man. I love her. She is such a cool character, and she's such a badass. But the really cool thing about that scene, uh, I just want to mention, because to me it was it was kind of a inside look that we've never seen before. Remember they pick him up from the planet, and they go and they all board the Slave One, and as they're taking off, you see the view from inside the cockpit, and the entire thing is rotating. 
inside the ship as they're coming off the planet and the whole thing of course does that rotation to face forward so that it can go I just thought that was a really cool kind of inside look that we've never gotten uh, in Star Wars before of one of the ships that I consider to be one of the coolest Star Wars ships of all time I've loved the slave one since I was a little kid so um, I just love the eye candy of that um, you know, basically what they have to do is they have to go and they have to kind of take over and impersonate a couple of stormtroopers to take this stuff that blows up, starts with an R, I don't remember the name of it, but they have to, they have to take it in uh, because that's going to be their in to go get the codes that they need to go find Grogu. So the big thing that kind of happens as a result of that is that Mando has to put on different armor. And I think that there's an interesting conversation that happens here between Mayfield and Mando because... Mayfield points out, and I think correctly, that Mando is willing to bend his beliefs, his religion, he calls it. He's willing to bend his beliefs to do what he needs to do to find Grogu. And one of his beliefs is that, you know, he doesn't take his armor off. That's his personality. That's his whole identity there. But he sure does. He takes it off. He gives it to Cara Dune. She goes and stores it for him, and he's got this stormtrooper um armor on, which, by the way, shatters like crazy when he's fighting off those bad guys, which I think is hilarious because he actually takes damage, whereas when he's, when he's wearing Beskar, he takes almost no damage. Um, so I really appreciated that kind of conversation between Mando and, and, uh, and Mayfield. I also really like the tense scene that ha- happens later, you know, when they get inside the complex. There's, you know, he has to go and use the computer, and then there's that kind of general dude that they talk to, and there's a really kind of weird conversation that sort of happens in between them. And that's the scene in which Mando's uh, face has to be revealed because he has to scan his face uh, on this computer. Um, and that, to me, is, is another perfect, uh, you know, it's just an indication of how far he is willing to go to help Grogu. I think he's really taken a liking to this little guy. At some point in this episode, there's also, uh, I think it's Kara. She says something like she calls uh, Grogu his kid instead of the kid or his child instead of the child, which I thought was kind of an interesting change in the dialogue and a little more sophisticated than I'm used to from this series in terms of how the dialogue flows. So I thought that was kind of a cool little thing. Um, And then, yeah, in the end, you know, they they kind of get what they need and they come out and there's lots and lots of adventure and shooting. There's a lot of other cool scenes. I I honestly could go on forever. I liked this episode quite a bit, but but it's the changes in the Mando character that I really enjoyed in this one. You're seeing how far he's willing to go to, you know, save his kid, basically this kid that he has taken on as his little foundling, believe it or not. So, yeah, that's my two cents. I really dug it. How about you, Charles? I really, okay, the the battle scene on board the tank as he's trying to fight off the pirates. Oh, yeah. That was such a Star Wars battle. That's a classic battle. A classic and battle, and the way that his armor... I was definitely getting into that battle. Like, that was a fun battle. It's like, okay, we try saving one, we try saving the tank, and Mando's up there battling the enemy. And it's like, okay. Let's say a combination of Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah. 
with comedy. It's a bit of an Indiana Jones-type battle in, in there. It's like, okay, that was fun to watch to sit there and see him just trying to defend the ship. And when you think, oh, it's, oh, we're going to lose, we're going to lose the tank. And in and it's the first, one of the first times he probably said, yes, and here come the TIE fighters. The TIE fighters are going to come in and help the, help help save the ship. It's like, ah, TIE fighters are coming in. How often have we sat there and cheered for TIE fighters coming in? But that was, that was cool. a great battle. I know I haven't caught up the whole deal, but I know there's conversation about him removing his helmet and the yes and no's about that one. But I thought it was an interesting, interesting dilemma to put himself into. And definitely, I think, well, is in the series. It's not the, we don't have the Hulk syndrome right now. We're worrying about going in and getting the child. And one of the scenes, one of my favorite scenes, I think, about the whole thing too, was that final scene. Hmm. All of a sudden, we're on board the Star Destroyer, and they get a message, and here's Mando coming up on the screen, and it's like, oh yes. That's and just, he pretty much exactly, he exactly quotes what Moff Gideon says to him when he's talking about taking the child back from Mando, he quotes the exact words back to him. So it's like he's stuffing Moff Gideon's words right back in his face, which I just thought was brilliant. I loved that. He's showing him, he's like, no, I'm the one that's going to come and get it. Look out. So for me, one of the things I really enjoyed about this episode, um, you know, the fighting and the battles are all cool and all, but the one thing that really struck me about this episode that made me say, wow, that was cool, is when Mayfield turns around and kills everybody that saw Mando without his helmet on. Out because it was the honor. Yeah. He did it for his, his honor. Because he, yeah. you know, his religion is that no one can see him without his helmet. And he took his helmet off. So this imperial officer that was being a dink and all the other stormtroopers that were in there, even though they don't know what they're seeing, saw him. And so Mayfield did the one thing that he, only thing he could do, he killed them all. And then told Mando, he said, I didn't see anything, put your helmet back on. And I thought, <laughs> wow, that was really cool. He, yeah. he gets it. And then at the end, when they're flying, when they, when they get on the slave, and he says, let me have your gun, and he blows up the entire place so that they can't make any more of this super weapon. And and he tells them some story about how, you know, these kids were killed. There was some story he told, and then Mm -hmm. they land and they let him go, you know, and they say, you know, you you died in the explosion and, and they let him go. And to me, that was the whole essence of the story. The the battles were cool. The tie fighters were awesome, of course, but the Mayfield thing, (laughs) And the honor of Mando and what he did to stop the Empire from killing more innocent people, I thought really made the episode that much better for me. 
Yeah, Hello. I was really hoping that uh, that guy would have been like joining the crew and mm. go on adventure with them. I was really hoping that he would go in, but have you guys also noticed that the stormtroopers somehow got really super accurate? Uh, in terms the, of the shooting, it did get better. Yeah, the, yeah, they pulled up to that bridge and they just like shot every single pirate that was there. <laughs> like first shot, boom, 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 boom. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Obi Wan right Kenobi did say just... in the original Star Wars movie, "Only Imperial stormtroopers troopers are so precise." Yeah. So <laughs> you know. Which is yeah. a <laughs> But, um, well, they all had yeah, to die, I, I apparently, because they saw his face. <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah, and he, I want to acknowledge what Charles said about the TIE fighters. Like, I, I felt exactly the same way, Charles. I've never in my life cheered for TIE fighters to come in and save the day. <laughs> so yeah. that was kind of a, kind of a fun twist uh, on the typical, you know, Star Wars story. And, and Boba Fett got new armor. And this has been a bone. I've seen a lot of people bitching and moaning on the internet about it, but um, he just got a paint job. That that's pretty much all that just, he did. You know, I think he probably know, they just touched it or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I you know, so it's all shiny and looks new. So what? I, I don't have a I problem mean, with that. That didn't you know? He stepped off the ship. I, I was look, like, whoa! He he got an overhaul. It was just you know, so what? Big deal. Well, I, I, I actually, I actually like, I actually like that they kept the dent in his helmet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah, they kept they it. kept the dent and they got rid of the hoses, which is what the the one dude had added the the marshal there that was wearing the armor for a while. He had added those weird hoses to it, and those hoses are gone now. So now it looks more like the mm-hmm. traditional Boba Fett armor that we're used to, but. Yeah, but I will say he's wearing it over kind of like a like a black robe sort of thing. Like his yeah. undergarment is a little different from what it used to be, and I think it looks cool. It's almost like he's a uh, you know, see, I mean, he looks he looks like a seasoned version of Boba Fett. So there's been slight changes in the way he looks, which I think have been really fun. It's like well, it's only uh, been Boba. Yeah, totally. Forty three exactly. years or some ridiculous amount of time since he went down the. Starlick pit, it's not, he's bound to change in that amount of time. Yeah, this but, one I think this happens in this kind of gap between doesn't Mando happen between Return of the Jedi and the the first of the sequels? So this is supposed to be like twenty something? I mean, I that, was, that was nineteen eighty three. That was a long time ago in a galaxy far, oh. far away. <laughs> Well, time travel is different over there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. Talking about <laughs> film time. Film time, not <laughs> real time. Oh, film time. Oh, okay. <laughs> but actually, that oh. is interesting. Isn't well, that funny that more real time has gone by than film time with Mando? Now that you mention that, yeah, because it's been more than 20-something years since Return of the Jedi, and yet it's only been 20-something years for Mando. So that's kind of – so Mando's yeah, still happening in our it. past. That's right. <laughs> it's um, happening in 1987. <laughs> you know, time travel wow. dynamics. Oh my god. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, David, uh, how many slave? How many slave ones would you give this episode? Oh, slave ones. Well, um, I would actually give it an eight. I actually enjoyed eight it a lot slaves? more than some of the other ones. 
That's a good call. It's a good call. How about you, Eric? Oh, guys, I'm going to kick this one up a notch because I really dug it. It had a lot of actual plot development, a lot of character development. It had a lot of Cara Dune, so thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to give this one a nine. That's, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. And how about you, Charles? How many slave ones would you give this one? Eight point two five. I'm gonna go kind of in the middle. Eight point two five. There we go. I should have, uh, I should have told you guys the name of the episode. I forgot. It's actually called the Believer. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna go right. I'm right there uh, with Eric with a nine. I mean, if it wasn't for the Mayfield helmet thing, I might have dropped it down to a seven. But the whole Mayfield and the honor of the Mando and all that stuff just bumped it right up for me. So I'm going to go with a nine on this one, guys. So that wraps up our our coverage on the Mandalorian. The season finale on the Mandalorian is tomorrow. We won't have a show on Thursday because it's Christmas Eve. So we're going to be on Saturday. So mark your calendars. Plan to be around with us on Saturday. We'll be wrapping up the Mandalorian and Terra Firma Part 2. So we're going to take... Excuse me. We're going to take our next commercial break of the evening for our listeners at Odyssey Radio. For the rest of you guys, just hang out with us. Run, don't walk to the bathroom, and don't touch that dial because when we come back, we're going to find out what the fans thought about Terra Firma Part 1. And then we're going to talk about it. We'll be right back. Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go. And we're back. Before we start, I have to give you guys a warning. Black alert, y'all. We are about to make the jump to some serious spoiler territory. There you go. You've been warned. So don't send us hate mail. Don't yell at me. You've been warned. We are going to spoil the episode. This is last week's episode, by the way. And I have not watched tonight's episode so that I could talk about it with you guys tonight. So I'm going to watch it after the show. So I... I'm going into this one totally cold. So I'm right there with Charles and Eric. I have no idea what happened tonight. And just as a reminder, we're going to be talking about Terra Firma Part 1, and this is the trailer. Maybe we'll find something that can help you. The needs of the many must outweigh the needs of the one. Will you really be able to let her go when it comes down to it? Fight me! You knew this would happen to her? Our future is spotless. If this secure, then it's my chance. And I'm taking it. So, Eric, what did our fans on our Trek Talking page have to say about Terra Firma Part 1? Uh, well, our number one uh, top fan this week that we're going to talk about is Scott Van Tussenbrook. He gave it a solid 9.5. He said... I love the Mirror Universe episodes. A universe of beards sporting evil twins has been part of Star Trek since the very beginning. It's ridiculous, and it makes no sense, and I am here for it. I, like my old calculus teacher, 
can never give anyone a perfect grade. So that 9.5 is about as high as it gets for Scott. So thank you, Scott. Uh, we have another top fan here, Ross Basin, who gave this a 7.5. David Allen gave it an 8. Another top fan, Daniel Cesarlo, only gave it a 4. Top fan, Rick Bales, gave it a 9.5. Stephen John Cisco a 9.5. And Kevin Jellick said 9. I loved the references to City on the Edge of Forever on the back of the newspaper. And I love that Philippa is reevaluating things in the near universe and trying to change things. Ugh, I love this little group I got to talk about because I feel much the same way. Charles, how about your group? What did they say today? Okay, well, I got top fan Louis, uh, Jose Luis Perez Ibera. Nine, they still act like humans, not parents. Top fan, Paul Wayne Harding. One, I really don't like Mirror Universe in any track. Jim Masson. Nine, I'm not a big fan of the whole alternate universe thing. I blew through the episode for that year. Cinder Lee Hunter. Given 9.5. Christopher Corrin, given 9.5. George Klingon Hutchinson gave Discovery an 8. And Michael Workmeister, given 9.5. Love the Mirror Universe. Jim, what about your fans? So, for me, I've got Adam Walton, who gave it a 9 and said, I love the Mirror episodes. Kelly Barter Piper loved it and gave it a 10. Jim Stoffel gave it a 9.75 best episode of the season, he said. Mike Algerman gave it a 10 best episode of season three so far. I'm seeing a trend going on here. Trenton Jones gave it an 8.5. Christopher Bonwell gave it a 7. And our top fan, Massimo Bruccia, gave it an 11. So, uh, Charles, what's our total fan rating for this episode? Our total fan rating averages out to an 8.5. 8.5. That's I very respectable. Playing around with the numbers. Yes, our, our, our lone one. If we hadn't had our lone one, we would have had about an 8.8. Oh, wow. Very okay. respectable. Very respectable. So now we're going to dive right in and talk about the episode. Guys, uh, there's going to be spoilers. So please, please, please be aware of that. Of course, if you're a Star Trek fan, you probably have already seen it since it was last week's episode. But at any rate, I've got some sound bites that I want to play for you guys that we're going to talk about. The first one. No, yeah, no, yeah, this one. We talked about this one last week, but um, I didn't play the soundbite, so I'm going to play it for you guys now. It's called Your. If you'd come to me sooner, I could have saved you a lot of trouble. I wasn't aware you had any medical training. Yes, well, because I'm a man of widely varying interests. Now, I understand she's been presenting with physiological symptoms, but the cure won't be found anywhere in this room. Or in this galaxy, for that matter. Computer, open classified file, beta 4895 Omega. Lieutenant Commander Yor, 
Deceased. Time soldier. Time soldier? Consider yourself lucky to have skipped the temporal wars. Amongst the many horrible things we discovered when weaponizing time, temporal travel can make you pretty sick. Turns out our molecules are designed to function in the time in which they're created. But everyone on Discovery traveled through time. Yes, but only one of you is also from a parallel universe. You're here, traveled forward from 2379 and across from an alternate universe created by the temporal incursion of a Romulan mining ship. Before Giorgio, Yor was the only individual known to have traveled across both time and dimensions. So you knew this would happen to her? Suspected. Every molecule fights to either go back in time or jump a cosmic divide. By the end, Yor was in such pain, the doctors petitioned the Federation for euthanasia. They couldn't send him back to his own universe? Not without breaking the interdimensional displacement restriction, part of the temporal accords, which are ironclad. But Giorgio didn't get sick. So I wanted to play that clip for you guys, even though we talked about it last week, because it sets up a lot of the things that we're going to talk about in this episode, and I wanted to have it as a reference point, okay? That's why I played that for you guys again. So the first clip... Yeah, and Jim... Jim, just to like mention one thing about that clip I'll say is that for anybody who doesn't quite have their Star Trek uh, timelines down uh, in their head right now, 2379 is the year that Star Trek Nemesis took place. So if you go to the events of Star Trek Nemesis uh, and the incursion of Nero's ship, that's what they're talking about right there. Yeah, I like the way they, they tie in Enterprise when they're talking about the temporal wars, too because that was one of the big things yeah. on Star Trek Enterprise. And, of course, you know, talking about the, the Romulan mining ship, goes, of course, goes to Star Trek 2009 in the Kelvin universe. The uniform he's wearing is a TNG Season 1 uniform. So there's the, that whole conversation really ties a lot of Star Trek into it, which, yeah. which I think is great. Yeah. And it makes it's a very important point that we're going to talk about, yeah. we're going to talk about tonight, and that is, time travel versus mirror universe travel because they're not the same as we've established in this clip. And we're going to talk about that a lot a little bit later. So the first clip I want to play for you guys about this episode is a a clip that I just entitled let's go. Next time it's look us away. Saru come to see me off. How nice that you'll be rid of me. I do hope for the best of outcomes, but thankfully you and I have never had to parse words with one another. I fear this may be the last we see of you, and I want you to know that I have learned as much from you as I learned from our prime, Giorgio. Where I'm from, we were prime, and you were the mirror. As it should be. Good luck, Emperor. Thank you. Captain. Number one, I expect your crew may survive you after all. Think good for me. Weirdly. lot to unpack in that scene first of all that felt like a final goodbye to me 
As I said, I haven't seen tonight's episode, so I'm cold like you guys. And I wanted to leave it that way on purpose. Um, well. I, to me, that feels like <laughs> a final uh, 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 that feels like a final goodbye. Like, she's not coming back, period. And that's the way it felt to well. me. I really, really, really like the respect that she showed Saru by calling him captain. And his, his respect for her when he shook her hand and Tilly, when she called Tilly number one and Tilly hugged her, I, I thought that whole scene just shows so much um, uh, maturation and uh, um, redemption, I think is the word I'm looking for, for the Giorgio character. Because when we first meet her, she's a ruthless, backstabbing, cold-hearted, murdering bitch. And she's not that anymore. She's definitely, definitely changed. I think that the Discovery crew has rubbed off on her. And I think she's rubbed off on them a little bit. So I really, really well, enjoyed that scene. What do you think, Dave? I thought it interesting. Or, sorry, I'm sorry, Charles. <laughs> I thought it interesting. I caught it more the second time I watched the episode. But it was interesting the demeanor of Giorgio in the beginning of the episode. He was being, he was a very hostile character. Which we haven't seen that in a while. We haven't really seen the hostility and the anger in her. And I think that was kind of a foresight into this episode that we were kind of getting our, we were getting the Emperor back. And I just thought it interesting yeah. when you watch that yeah. episode to look and see how she acted in it. The characters were a little different in this episode. They kind of cast, cast people a little differently. And I like what they were doing. But I also like, I like the fact in there that Giorgio goes like, okay, I will give Tilly a handshake. And Tilly's like, no, you're getting a hug. And really kind of getting an idea of why Tilly was picked as number one. Because Tilly Tilly jumped in there in the uh, galley when Georgie was having problems. She's there to, she's there to hug her as, as a goodbye. But it's like, okay, our number one is worrying about the demeanor of the crew, worries about what's going on in the crew, trying to help the crew out. It's like, yes, that's what a good number one needs to be. And really, I thought a good way of casting how they did it. I kind of, I, I, it's my fault. I kind of cut that first clip, your, I kind of cut it short because the next line that um, Kovic tells uh, Dr. Kolber is that nothing is worse than a Terran who's going to die because they get violent and they're a threat to everybody. And that That's was right. the next line. And I cut, I cut that one short because I didn't think it was that we needed it. But Charles just brought that up. Because the next scene that we see after that one is Burnham in the gymnasium with Giorgio. And this was a weird scene. I wasn't going to talk about it, but I guess I'll bring it up here. 
Did you guys not think it was weird that they have axes and swords just hanging around in the gymnasium that you can throw at people? Was that not weird? I think that was I think that was a holodeck for some reason. I don't know why. Well, that's yeah, true. it was that's either. Put, I think it was either a holodeck right. or it was definitely. I don't know if they have holodecks actually uh, at this time. They kind of have those those other types of holograms, the training holograms, but I don't think they have the sophisticated holodecks from TNG era, but uh, I I do think that it's um, you know, something like that. No, the, 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 new, the new Discovery A has the upgraded holodecks. Oh, so whatever right, they it are. I forgot about that. Yeah. I forgot about yeah. that. But Jim, Jim, you know, what I wanted to say uh, about what you just said was, and what Charles was just saying was that um, Giorgio has, I must admit, been becoming a less and less interesting character to me over the season because they have kind of written her as just this bully who sort of lashes out every once in a while. Uh, She does it in this episode where she sort of spills the lunch on Tilly, who's actually coming to, to talk to her about this. But I think the real magic, and you were just mentioning this, Jim, of, of this scene here is that this is kind of, I think the beginning of the moment where she started kind of starts to turn around, you know, um, she realizes that no matter what's going on inside her head or, or, or how she thinks she needs to react to things, Tilly is here to talk to her and to care about her uh, and, and to really like attend to her needs. And I think that she starts to feel that from a bunch of people on the ship. And then at this moment where they're able to, to say goodbye and um, sort of send her off, it's her, it's her final moment where all of a sudden she gets it. She gets with the magic of the prime universe, you know, from our perspective is the mirror universe from her perspective, which they talk about a little bit later, which I think is kind of fun. Uh, but she, she kind of realizes what the magic of our universe is versus her universe. And then she carries that. And we'll talk about this later, but she carries that back with her. So love this scene because it's, it's the moment I think where you, this very uninteresting character, as far as I'm concerned this season uh, who's just been a bully and kind of like a thorn in people's side, all of a sudden has a moment where you're like, oh, oh, her character development is about to hit warp speed. Like she's just about to take off and, you know, she's just about to be very, very interesting. And of course, she's one of the stars of this of this episode. So great scene to pick for this. <laughs> and they always give they always give the best scenes to the character who's about to die. So yeah, uh, or or, you know, they, or have a big change, <laughs> right? So I honestly so thought David, this was the well, uh, end of the season, but uh, I guess there's more episodes after the second part here. Yeah, it did have that feeling though. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I I honestly thought that the uh, the old guy I forgot his name now. Um, oh, we'll the one we were talking about, Doctor Colbert. Yeah. Huh? Oh. Oh, Kovitch. Oh, you mean Kovitch? The guy yeah. with the, the yeah. The, the dude yeah, with the glasses. I honestly thought that guy was going to be Daniels in his old time. Oh. But apparently, <laughs> watching it with subtitles, it actually gives the name of the character. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So what, what, Daniels what, David, would actually. David, what did the subtitles have been? What, what did the subtitles yeah. say his name actually is besides the guy with the glasses? It says Kovitch. K-O-V-I-C-H. Yeah. Oh, it does say. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
That's the only reason we know his name, because they actually haven't said it on the show at all. They've never said his name once. So the only reason any of us knows what his name is is because it's subtitled. Yeah. So that's seriously but, Yeah, I actually thought that guy show. was Daniel. <laughs> Except Daniel would have been from about 100 years before right now. He was from well, the era when the Temporal War was still happening. Yeah, but when you time travel, you could go anywhere without aging. <laughs> You're right. You're totally right. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, um, another thing, too, is that the, uh, uh, what's that guy's name? The one who was standing next to the door waiting for Jojo to pass? Um, the mystical Carl. godlike Carl. being? Carl, yeah. Yeah, some sort of Q race of some sort, but I guess well, not. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a little bit, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about him after our commercial break. But I I just um we've talked about this in the past. They've said right from the get go, this is no secret that section thirty one was the first spin off they ever talked about for Discovery. And they always said it wouldn't happen till after season three. So we all knew that somehow, some way, Georgia would have to get from the from the future to the past. I never in my wildest dreams thought it was going to happen this way. That never dawned yeah. on me. Not once. Well, I thought they were going to put some switcherooey <laughs> on us or something, but I didn't think that. Not at all. So I don't think that this is the way they're going to go with it, but wouldn't it be kind of totally mind-bending if they – so they've sent Giorgio back in time now – to the mirror universe, what if it was a mirror universe section 31? Like what, what would their mission be? <laughs> well, I think there's a, there's a lot that I want to talk about in the, in the last portion of the show. Um, and, and a lot of it is going to, is going to evolve around Carl. It's going to evolve around another character that we might recognize, Lorca and Admiral Van. So we've got a lot to talk about in the next segment. So, um, but I just wanted to say that, to me, it feels like a redemption arc for Giorgio. And I think that if Giorgio is going to be helming, if she's going to be the, the main centerpiece of a show set in a Star Trek universe, she needs to be redeemed. She can't be this bloodthirsty tyrant that goes around eating Kelpians. You know, she's got to have a redemption story. And to me, this felt like a redemption story for her. It was it was yeah. bringing her um, closer. Not not perfect. I mean, she still got flaws, obviously, and she still is the emperor. But to me, it seems like oh, yeah. she's, she's learned a lot of lessons from the Discovery crew. And she's seeing a lot of the error in her ways. I mean, she didn't kill Michael. And that's a big step. Um, she, she spared her. Yeah, but she did kill Stamets. So Stamets dies twice. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, well, I, I, I kind of see it as, as a redemption kind of story to me. It is, it is kind of I, redemption. I think what it is is it's somebody who's evolving right now, and I think that the cool thing is that they're probably going to take her character and they're probably going to show 
an actual character evolution over multiple series. So I don't think that she's going to become sort of the final version of Emperor Giorgio when Section 31 comes out. I think that they'll continue her evolution of her character as she goes. And you're right, it's it's kind of redemption. I, I have a hard time calling it that because, of course, she did, you know, stab Stamets in the neck because I guess she needed to. Uh, but she's definitely bringing... She's definitely bringing something new to the Mirror Universe. And it, actually, since you're talking about larger concepts, Jim, I started thinking about our original Mirror Universe episode, Mirror, Mirror, and just the attitude that Spock takes towards the end of that uh, episode where he starts to kind of think that maybe uh, the way that the Mirror Universe has been operating is maybe not the ultimate way that it should go. And he, he kind of has some different ideas that he might carry forward. So it, this kind of ties into that because, of course, Emperor Giorgio is, what is it? It's like 10 or 11 years before uh, when we would have had Mirror Mirror. So it it sort of, if you weave it together into a larger story, it shows a larger arc whereby the prime universe comes into the mirror universe and starts to influence the way that it operates. And then that carries all the way through DS9, where, of course, the mirror universe is totally different, right? The Terran Empire has fallen, and, like, it's a, it's a completely different dynamic. So I just think that's really cool. It, it sort of sets Giorgio up as maybe the one who brings that idea to the mirror universe. Also, I wanted to add there, Eric, that I I think you're actually correct that Section 31 is going to be coming in from the mirror universe because the idea of what uh, uh, Sloan was doing in Deep Space Nine was going back and forth, like disappearing and reappearing for some mysterious reason. It's going to be a technology, or maybe he was just going back and forth between uh, the different um, universities. So I think that's actually something that might come up, but I don't know. I think so too. And they also well, talk about a lot in this episode about how, you know, your DNA starts to break down when you spend too much time in the, in the wrong universe or in the wrong timeline. So she's got to stabilize. Well, somewhere. guys, believe it or not, we have to take our final commercial break of the night for our listeners at Odyssey radio. For the rest of you guys, we're going to hear a quick message from Jamie. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Carl, Lorca, Vance, the Mirror Universe, Unraveling Time, Re-Raveling Time, uh, Time Ripples, the whole nine yards. You don't want to go anywhere. Please hang out with us. We'll be right back after this quick message from Jamie. Hi, this is Jamie from Check Talking, here to invite you to join us for the best sci-fi themed podcast. Our elite team of Trexperts are here to discuss Star Trek and sci-fi themed content. Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Coast Time. We can't wait to hear from you. Live long and prosper. And we're back. So uh, we're going to be talking about Carl and what is the deal with Carl. But before we can talk about Carl, let's introduce you to Carl. Well, look at that. I was just reading about you. Emperor Giorgio dies horribly painful death. Uh, 
Jeez. Read all about it, huh? What the hell is this? This is obviously this. Who are you? And what are you doing here? I'm, uh, I'm Carl. And you're asking the wrong questions. Fine. What is that? What do you call a cute portal? Adorable. A clown held the door open for me. It was a nice gesture. No sense of humor, huh? Why is it here? So she can go through. Maybe you should have studied up on doors a little before you came down here. Why does it lead? It doesn't lead. It follows. The cure to all your ills could be through here. Who knows? So that is the mysterious Carl. Now, there's a lot of theories flying around about who or what Carl is or isn't. Uh, David already mentioned that he thinks it might be a Q, and that's a very popular theory that's floating around in a lot of places, but it's not a theory that I happen to ascribe to, and I'll tell you why. I think that what we're seeing here is a version of the Guardian of Forever that has been um, merged with... um, um, uh, what is that? That sentient matter? What is that stuff? That stuff they have programmable on, on matter this, with programmable matter, and that he can afford, he can assume the form of Carl and make the guardian look like a door instead of a giant donut, because the temporal accords would not allow time travel. So the guardian of forever would be a violation of of um, of the ironclad rule. And the only reason why they knew where it was is because of the sphere data that no one has access to except for the discovery. Even Kovitch didn't know about it. If you remember the clip I played at the beginning, remember I told you guys there was a reason why I played that clip. That's the reason Mm -hmm. because in the future they don't know about, uh, was it Davin four or Davin five? Uh, They they don't know about this. They don't know about this planet, and they don't know what's there. And that's a very important fact, because if the Guardian of Forever is trying to hide, it it wouldn't want to be found. And the only one that would know about it would be the sphere from uh, Data, which is now part of the discovery. So I think what we're seeing here, actually, is the Guardian of Forever. That's my theory. And... Another reason why I think that is I don't know if you guys have followed enough, but the newspaper that he's reading. Yeah. Eric, did you notice anything strange about that newspaper? Yeah, that is the there's there's no other possible explanation for Carl because he is reading the Star Dispatch, which is which is exactly the same newspaper that um, is revealed when the Guardian of Forever is first revealed uh, in TOS. Uh, So it's. It's the same newspaper. He's sitting there reading it. It's got exactly the same title. It says Publish Daily, uh, just like the original one from TOS says. So, yeah, I 100% am on board with your theory, Jim. I think Carl is absolutely a guardian of forever. Um, If he's been mixed with programmable matter, I think that's a really cool idea. I hadn't thought of that, Um, but I definitely think he's a guardian. What if he's Could they both be the same? 
Um, well, uh, I David, don't the, think the, the, that. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, the reason why I don't, I the, the reason why I don't think it's a cue and, and is is yeah. is for this reason. When when somebody says to you, "Q, who's Q?" It's they John Delancey. And <laughs> well, and but, I think but, that but, we've seen other cues. We absolutely have. That that is a fact. We have. But I think that if they were going to throw, if they were going to throw Q at us, they would go to Delancey because that's that's what the fans want if they're going to see. Yeah. So, that, so I remember back in, I, before Discovery was made that there wasn't a, a little sneak peek that Q might be coming into Discovery. So. Yeah. But the other true. thing is I, that I there's, there's another very strong TOS connection, guys, and it's not just the fact that, you know, there's this thing that can, like, take you to other times and that sort of thing, but and, – and it's not just the newspaper. It's also the fact that this Guardian, or it, as I see him, Carl, uh, was fixated on questions, right? He kept asking mm-hmm. – uh, he kept talking to Giorgio and uh, – uh, and Burnham about like they weren't asking the right question and he had answers, but they needed to ask that. And if you go back to TOS, the original guardian was fixated on questions. He was like, uh, you remember he was like, uh, what did he say? He was like a question uh, since before time began and you were born, I have awaited a question, something like that. And, and so well, there's this like obsession yeah. with asking the right question that I think plays right directly into this episode. But you also got to remember that Q does the exact same thing with Picard. Remember when Picard died and he was in like heaven, I guess, but he was going through the whole situation where he was trying to get Picard to uh, get him to ask questions and stuff. So I don't know. Kind of, uh, what do you think, I, Charles? You've been off I of fire. I agree Charles. with the Guardian theory. I think I agree with the Guardian <laughs> theory. Now, I've seen oh, one... Man. <laughs> I saw, I saw one meme out there that I had to laugh at. I thought it interesting. Is they show the paper, and they show a different paper that the clock tower has been struck from Back to the Future, <laughs> the very old-fashioned newspaper. But I just thought it interesting. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's an old newspaper that they're kind of focusing on which is interesting. But, yes, I definitely can see the tie-in of the Guardian as you go into more detail. Uh, I was kind of going with the Guardian anyway, but I kind of agree with a lot of the tie-ins. But I do this if I, now, David, the Guardian. I don't, I don't want you to feel bad at all because many, many times, oh. as Eric and Charles will <laughs> attest, I am the minority most of the time. <laughs> When we yeah. have a discussion, no, I got on another theory show. that might bring you guys over. <laughs> so, it's just a giant but, trouble but, on uh, stilts. That could be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the, the so one of the things. Uh, so, so Carl shows up. Giorgio steps through. Colbert gives her a bracelet, and when it turns red, that means her DNA is breaking down and she's going to die. And as long as it's green, she's safe. When she steps through the portal. She's still wearing it. And Carl says to her, well, there's other ways to die besides the bracelet turning red. And when she steps through the portal, it turns green and she hides it. So she can die the way I took it. She can die in this alternate, whatever you want to call this. She could die. 
So one of the things that I found fascinating about this is not only did she go back in time, but she went further back in time than she was in originally when we first see her. This is approximately mm-hmm. a year yeah. before episode one. So, so, and that's going to be important. I'm, I'm making this point for a reason. This clip that we're seeing in this episode happens before the discovery jumps to the mirror universe when Lorca puts in the, yeah. the uh, coordinates and sends the ship yep. there. It's approximately yep. a year before that. Now, I, I couldn't find the exact date, and I, I don't know the exact dates, but the fact that it was about a year is, is relevant because approximately a year before discovery is when Lorca comes aboard. And it has to be the mirror Lorca that comes aboard Discovery because he's the only one we see in command of the Discovery is the mirror. We don't know exactly when Prime Lorca showed up or didn't show up, but I have to believe that it, that the that mirror Lorca has been in command of the, the Discovery the entire time because if he switched midway, I think people would have noticed the change in his demeanor. So my theory is that Mira Lorca has been in command of Discovery the entire time, whatever that time distance might be, nine months, 10 months, a year, 13 months. I don't have an exact time, but when they switched is when is what I'm trying to get at, because that's very important. So here's the next clip I want to play for you guys now that I prefaced it, and I call this clip simply Lorca. Come to heel will be destroyed. I see. And what about our journey? Once we're outside the Terran defense grid, we'll set out at maximum warp. We'll arrive at the Imperial shipyard at Epsilon Indy 4 within a few hours. Imperial shipyard? This is... This is the day we christened the Charon. This is... Day Lorca betrays me. He's plotting a coup. As you are aware, you must know I would have nothing to do with the plot against you. Of course not. If I thought so, I wouldn't ask and you'd be dead. Tell me what you've learned. I was waiting to speak to you somewhere more private. The honor guard can be trusted. Very well. You are correct. There is a plot against you, Lorca. He's inciting violence, claiming that you've authorized arrests and executions for unproven acts of sedition. And now he wants me dead. So it would seem. And, um, well, there's more, but... You wish to inform me that Michael has betrayed me. They are sleeping together. I already know that. Today is the day she will try to take my throne my life. Emperor, this is high treason. I will handle it. Imperial law is clear on the act of treason. Death is mandated regardless of a perpetrator's relationship. Let me make myself clear. Locker's coup will fail. Michael will return to the fold and the path what has been set in motion will change because I will change it. So that brings up an interesting point. Can Giorgio change the past? And if she does, how will that change 
the future. And Lorca, 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 Lorca. Now, I posted a picture on our Facebook page of Jason Isaacs in the prop room, and he's been teasing that he's, he wants to come back to Star Trek. And this is why I didn't watch tonight's episode. The biggest thing is if you guys remember when we, when we reviewed Drastic Measures, Dayton Ward told us that when he finished the book, they came back and said, great, great, but you need to add another chapter at the end. You need to add a chapter at the end where Prime Lorca wakes up in a jail cell with bad people. And so he added it in. Now, they don't do anything. Uh, CBS doesn't do things just on a whim without a plan. So I think that we there's a really good possibility that we will see Prime Lorca in tonight's episode. What do you, so huh. where, where are you guys what are you guys thinking? Eric? I think it's probably absolutely yep. I was going to say I think it's absolutely uh, possible that can you guys not hear me? Yep. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, I think it's uh, absolutely possible that um, that Lorca probably could come into the second episode uh, part two um, if it's all prime. But here's my here's my uh, take on it. Um, if Giorgio goes back in time in the mirror universe, and Lorca is he already in the mirror universe, or did he like already escape before she came back? Because if he escaped before she came back, wouldn't that mean that he's in the prime universe and that he's not affected by the time travel in the mirror universe? Well, the, the, the way I'm reading it is that what's happening right now is Lorca has already switched and prime Lorca is currently in the mirror universe and mirror Lorca is now aboard the discovery in the prime universe. Is it, this is okay. roughly a year, roughly a year before, um, the events where we meet Giorgio the first time. So I, yeah. I think that Matt, it, it's, it's somewhat up to figure it out exactly, but it, it kind of works out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. <laughs> Eric, want to jump in? Or Charles? <laughs> uh, I really want to talk about it. Oh, sorry. sorry, I was muted. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm gonna throw in a little. I'm gonna throw in a little bit of another sci-fi in here, and let's go to Back to the Future too, where Doc Brown shows him the map where Biff changes the future, and it goes off into a different direction. Where time they've gone into a different time period. Yeah. And I'm kind of wondering how that one might fit in. Is this going to affect the time, or is this going to change a different time stream in the mirror universe? Because would this affect season one of Discovery? Yeah. And I'm going to be curious how they kind of take it, though, how that's going to affect season one's timeline. I mean, isn't that crazy? Because they're kind of finding a way to, they're kind of finding a way to put a twist on this whole, you know, that the most hated trope, we were talking about this the other day, guys, about the end of Lost, that series, and how it all turned out to be a dream. 
And they're kind of putting a little bit of a twist on that because you're right, Charles. Anything that Emperor Giorgio does here most certainly is going to affect what happened in previous seasons of Discovery, right? So is she is she going to be undoing things that we've already seen? Because we had, damn it, modif- uh, modifying the mycelial network. Yep, and, and he's dead now. It. He's and dead. yet at this point, if he's killed, he's not going to be there to contaminate the mycelial network. Yeah. So here's, here's, here's my thing. If you, if, you, if you use Back to the Future as an example, the discovery is 900 years in the future, and anything that's changed in the past would, would not change where discovery is now. It would create an alternate timeline for the previous discovery that's in the past, kind of like one of the other DeLoreans that was, there was hundreds of different DeLoreans hanging around. We're just following this one particular DeLorean. I mean, this version of discovery. So if she goes, if she goes to the mirror universe, because already right now she killed Stamets a year before he did the first time. She didn't kill Michael. She spared Michael's life, which obviously the first time around she didn't. So already she's done two things differently. And so when the, when, when the time that she's in now catches up with the time that we first see Discovery, then I think that would change what would happen in that timeline. But we're not following that timeline. We're following the current timeline. <laughs> oh, my God, my head's going to explode. Which is, yeah. and, and Jim, I think this is a really important conversation because then you have to go back to Carl and you have to go back to the Guardian because in TOS – how did the Guardian know where to send Kirk and Spock? Well, he, he sent them based on the timing of when they jumped into the portal, right? Which is a totally yeah. different thing from what we see now in, in Discovery. Instead of a bunch of universes flashing by and you have to jump into the portal at the right time, you have Carl specifically sending Giorgio to a point in time and a point in space in terms of the multiverse. So there's two, two items there. She goes back in time, like you said, previous to when she actually came forward in Discovery, and she goes back to her own universe. There has to be a reason for that. There has to be a reason that Carl sent her back to that particular time. And if all of these things yeah. are now being changed as a result of her being sent back to that time – it just blows my mind because I can't even – is this show going to unravel itself? Like is, <laughs> is, is season one going to become invalid yeah. because of season three? It just – like I love that. It just is so complex and so rich, and it makes you think about all of the possibilities that are out there. I love it. I love it. So my, my, oh. my big concern is the um... – what happens if the Guardian forever gets blown up? Does that mean it's all in for Star Trek? All the universes all collapse? <laughs> no, I think that the working theory is that there may be multiple Guardians. Like in TOS, okay. we, we see a Guardian. In TNG, we see a different Guardian that's actually on a different planet from where it was on, uh, in TOS. And so I think that maybe we have multiple Guardians. Well, that name, Guardian well, Forever, just sounds kind of... You know, like a, a very like there's one powerful yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> entity, <laughs> like a Q. You mean? Well, 
like a cue. <laughs> the, the, the way I look at this, is that, is that trouble? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the way I look at this, Eric, is kind of like Battlestar Galactica, the new Battlestar yeah. Galactica. Where they've done this over and over and over again, and we're just yeah. we're following this one particular timeline, but it's happened many many times before, and we're seeing the past before we see the future. I mean, it, it's you know when you start dealing with time stuff, it's, there's no right answer. <laughs> it's whatever okay. you want to yeah. you know. Let me throw let me throw one thing in there. What was your impression when you got to finally see Captain Tilly? Oh, my God. Damn. She is so awesome. Oh. <laughs> oh, I love her. Her hair is a little different, Captain Tilly? Yeah. yeah, Captain Tilly is awesome. And, and I do like the straightened hair, you know. I mean, I noticed that everybody in this mirror universe wears a lot of makeup and has really nice fashion. <laughs> and straight hair. And straight hair. So, That's right. No curl. Listen, guys, I got one more clip that I wanted to play, and I'm playing this one for Eric. Because we always have the evil admiral of the week syndrome. It seems like every admiral we run into is a dink, and they're just bad guys that are totally clueless, except for maybe Cornwall. And so here's a little clip that I want to play for you guys. Captain Saru, aboard. Not what you would have done. Given my understanding of the Federation's priorities, I would have made a different choice, yes. I never listened to advice when I was green, but I take it from an old soul who's made a lot of bad calls in his day. A crew member is drowning. If we let her and your crew will never look at you or the Federation the same way again. And you will never look at yourself the same way either. Yes, sir. And thank you, sir. We'll deal with the chain. See you when you get back. So for me, that was the redemption of Admiral Vance. I was kind of on the fence. I didn't trust him. What's going on with him? What's his deal? But to me, right there was, okay, this is the Federation. This guy is for real. And we're cool. So what did you guys think? Eric, what did you think? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I I mean, you guys know that I've, I've dug on Admiral Vance from the beginning and I absolutely agree with you, Jim. Now this puts any questions about his loyalties or anything like that to bed, I think. Um, he was very Federation-esque. He was speaking from, um, from a point of mentorship, which I think Saru really appreciated because if you think about it, Saru is not a <clears throat> captain that actually had a really decent mentor to sort of figure out his situation. He's kind of cobbled together, I think, um, experience and knowledge from a mirror universe captain, from Michael, maybe a little bit from Giorgio, some from Pike. Um, 
So he's he's not somebody who's had a real mentor, and I feel like putting Vance into that role is just a super cool thing to do because it finally gives his character a little bit more depth. He's no longer this super mysterious guy that we don't exactly know what his intentions are. He's a good guy, and he's here to provide what an admiral should provide. And thank goodness, Jim, we might have a good admiral in Starfleet, finally. I think so. <laughs> what do you think, Charles? Are you are you going to trust Vance now? Well, I I think we're I think we're giving him a little more character, a little more depth, which I think makes it easier because we've got a little more detail on the character. He's worrying about the many, but he's worrying about the one too, and definitely he's not rigid but he's got multiple focuses on it. But also, because I don't think Jim's going to mention it, is what do you think about the distress signal and finding out the source mm. of the distress signal? Yeah, that was really Yeah, I, yeah that, that was interesting. It's a Kelpian ship. It's like the Kelpians were out doing research. On a dilithium a dilithium uh, uh, chamber of, uh, in the middle of this nebula, nursery. which is interesting. They called it a nursery. Yeah. nursery. yeah. So nursery. that's kind of an interesting mm, thing yeah. because I, I think there's one other thing that you're, I don't know if it's not on our agenda right now, but maybe you're going to talk about it anyway, Jim. Can we talk about Calypso a little bit now in this new context and maybe what so, it needs? Yeah, yeah, because so, – I am totally feeling the fact that Calypso is maybe now set in the mirror universe, right? We've got this other discovery that's here. Maybe there's a story that now takes off from the mirror universe that eventually becomes the short trek Calypso because in Calypso, of course, we see a, we don't see a discovery A. We, we see a probably 32nd century discovery without the A. Hiding out in a in a nebula. Oh gosh, we're talking about a nebula right now, guys. Hmm. Right. So that's very interesting. Exactly. So, David, what do you think? You like the Admiral? Yeah, um, I never really had much of a trust issue that he wasn't a part of the Federation. I mean, I actually thought he was the actual idea that kept the Federation alive, and if it wasn't for him, you know. Because it seems like everybody else is just kind of like looking at Vance here uh, for support or for any kind of uh, uh, mentor type stuff. And so I thought Vance was totally Federation all the way. So he might have had, you know, mysterious background and stuff. That's not only because we just like first met him, but I don't know. I mean, the the idea that he might have been an evil Federation and the idea that Giorgio said that in their universe, the prime was the mirror universe. And I was like, well, I guess that's how people thought maybe Vance might've been kind of like an evil side, but I don't know. I, I've always thought he was one of the good guys from the beginning. So I don't know. <laughs> so how well, many David, guardians I, would you give this episode, uh, David? How many guardians? Oh, um, I'm going to give it about a 7.8. Guardians from David. Eric, how many guardians? 
Uh, oh, uh, this was a good episode. Uh, this is where, I, as far as I'm concerned, the season is really starting to take off. Uh, so 8.9. 8.9. Guardians for Eric. Charles, how many Guardians? Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to go quite as far as Eric, but finally getting to the mirror universe. And a lot of stories that we didn't know, we what we want to know about, and we didn't get. I'd say about an eight point seven. Eight point seven guardians. I think I'm going to go with nine guardians. And what was our fan rating? Eight point seven without the one. Okay, so we're we're right around the fan. So listen, guys, we are not going to have a show next Thursday because it's Christmas Eve. So. Please uh, stay safe and have a happy holiday. We are going to be with you on Saturday. We're going to set the time. Uh, Charles and, and Eric and myself will get together and set the time. It will be on Saturday, probably in the morning or early afternoon, but you guys can find that out on our Facebook page as soon as we get that set up. We'll get that posted. We'll be talking about Terra Firma Episode 2, which is on tonight, and also the final episode of uh, Mandalorian. So you guys want to check that out. And you also want to tune in on Sunday night to Stunt Treks with myself and the Leslie Hoffman, who called a little bit earlier. And we're going to be having some fun talking about Star Trek and Planet of the Apes. So you don't want to miss that. I want to say congratulations to Leslie because she was the first caller. So Leslie picked up a copy of Star Trek, uh, the original series, season three on Blu-ray. So congratulations to Leslie. And I also want to say thank you to David for calling and hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. You're welcome. It was very fun. It was. It was. We had, we had, a, we had a guardianly great time. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I also want to, say, I want to say thank you to Eric for hanging out and truck talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. You bet. It's always a good time, guys. Thanks. It, it is fun. I love truck talking with you guys. And, of course, last but definitely not least is Charles. Thank you very much for hanging out and truck talking with us, Charles. Well, let me put out some breaking news. It actually rained in Vegas, and we've broken our streak of a dry streak of 240 days. Yeah. That's wow. awesome. We got that's, that's good news. Good news. Wow. And we have 28 inches of snow up here with more on the way. So that's pretty cool. We're going to have a white Christmas. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I want to say thank you to each and every one of you guys listening around the globe, especially you guys in Australia. Um, it's great to have you guys aboard. Well, not just Australia, but everybody. So thank you very much. And I want everybody to stay safe and be good to each other. We'll be back with you guys again on Saturday. I'm your Uncle Jim. And thank you very much for listening to us tonight and hanging out with us. Make sure you go to our Facebook page, Truck Talking and Beyond. Like and follow us there so you never miss a show. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Good night. Let's see what's out there. Engage. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 